0: Caught up with Stephen Roman today, CEO at Global Atomic. What a couple of years they've had from 25 cents up to three bucks. Not bad, 12 times return. return. Um, we talk about a board hire that they've made and also their ability to pick up not only staff from Cominac as it's been wound down, but also potentially some equipment that could uh, meaningfully change their studies uh, and, and the numbers associated with that. Um, we also look at the market as a whole, the way that they're being valued, and obviously what's going on in Turkey with regards to the contribution from. Their zinc revenues. And if you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, you can find those at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. We've got training courses on there. We've got commentaries from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including our weekly uranium show, now in its 56th, 57th week. Um, And uh, why don't you go along and join a thriving community of investors, sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly, and safe environment? Free from all that. Judgment, trolling in a BCC elsewhere. And if that sounds nice to you, and I hope it does, go and join them. Cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Stephen, uh, how are we, sir?
1: Doing well, Matthew. Doing well. is finally arriving here in Toronto, and uh, the leaves are coming out of the trees.
0: I don't think that's the only reason, though. Three bucks a share. <laughs> Three bucks a share. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, when we started talking a couple of years ago, I think we were 25 cents, and we've uh, knocked off all of the milestones that we told the market we would do, and you know, made a tremendous progress uh, both on the zinc side with our new plant up and running, doing great, and now with the with the uranium with the DASA project. So uh, it's been a very successful uh, last couple of years.
0: And, and a very successful last few months i mean 3 bucks he could have imagined it 2 years ago you tell me you can't tell me that you knew this was going to be 3 bucks by now did you can you
1: oh i had a good good idea matthew yeah because uh, you know what uh, when we have the the largest highest grade uranium deposit in africa we moved it through the permitting process in three months. At the end of December, we got our mining permit. In January, we got our environmental permit. I mean, there's just no other uranium project like this on the planet, really. That's that's moved along that quickly uh, with such an outstanding project.
0: Okay, let, I tell you what. Do me a favor because judging by the questions we've had sent in, some people are coming at this new. I suspect from having not previously been investing in the mining space at all, and they're seeing your story being positioned as a sort of category of 1 in terms of your ability to get into production. So, Give me a 1-minute overview for those new people. I'll pick it up from there with some of the points that I want to focus in on, if you don't mind.
1: Well, first of all, I mean, the the big reason I went to Africa and particularly Niger, as I mentioned previously, they opened up the doors for new foreign investment. They are experts in the Uranium field. I mean, they've been producing Uranium there for 50 years. Uh, The French have been getting 30% of their supply for France from there. And so there's a good in situ knowledge base of uranium. The government knows uranium, it's the big uh, revenue source for the country. And of course, uh, this is a new discovery that's moving along to production, and it will be the preeminent uranium project uh, in the country because the uh, Arano mines at Komenak shut down at the end of March. And so, of course, we've signed that MOU with Orano to potentially ship them ore from DASA to uh, get things going and and also extend the life of their project. But these these are projects that have been running for 50 years now where it's benefiting us, of course, the the permitting regime there and uh, the knowledge base. Is that with Cominac shutting down, we've got a complete in-situ workforce, right from upper-level management right down to the miners, uh, equipment operators, that effectively are now talking to us about moving right to Dasa. So, as part of our thinking, of course, uh, you know, and it, basically companies look at uh, contractors; they get. Uh, they get bids and quotes from contractors to collar the portal, go underground, do the development. Well, in our case, uh, we're doing it all ourselves. So we have the, the capability uh, in situ with, with our own management team that have done it before, but also with the Comanac workforce that uh, we are now talking with uh, various individuals to put the core team together to come in and start doing it. Uh, starting in Q1 of 2022. Well, so that's, that's going
0: to save you time in terms of finding these people, money in terms of hiring costs. Um, oh, huge, and huge. they know what they're doing in terms of training. So that's, right. that's a real bonus.
1: Well, it's a huge bonus because, uh, you know, we, we actually have the people right there uh, that are just up the road from us that we can bus into our site. Uh, They'll live in their own homes. Uh, We can have a rotation camp at our place so they could come in for two weeks, out for two weeks. But needless to say, uh, you know, there's no big drama in finding a workforce that's uh, ready to go on the next project. So, uh, from a cost point of view, from a timing point of view, and guess what else they've got up there? They've got lots of equipment. So, you know what? We don't have to worry about bringing anything in at this point in time. Uh, eventually, we want to uh, have a, a green mine here, and uh, we're big on the ESG front. Uh, we'd like to turn this whole operation into a, an electric operation, solar, uh, et cetera. So, uh, we'll be talking about that a little bit more. Uh, as we move along, but that's part of the plan.
0: So actually, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. So, in terms of your studies, you have made a set of assumptions about what the cost of equipment is going to be. You've got some equipment up the road, which is now looking for a home. Do you think your economics have the possibility of changing?
1: Uh, most definitely. Most definitely.
0: Okay. Yep. When do we know?
1: Well, our Q uh, Q3 end of Q3 this year. That's when our feasibility study comes out. That's our final engineering, and uh, I think you're going to see some improvements both on the capex and the opex at this operation.
0: Wow. Okay. So your project just got an accelerant added to it in terms of people and equipment and expertise. That's it. I hadn't really thought about it like that, and certainly not in terms of the, the timing. But the timing is. Perfect.
1: It's perfect. It's perfect, and uh, you know our studies are completed end of September, and then we start moving ahead and and gearing up. We've now actually doubled the size of our camp there, so uh, we brought in a a number of additional uh, containers of basically their sea can living accommodations. So uh, you know we're gearing up for our big program of drilling starting in September. So I think what people need to realize as well that the numbers that they've seen on this project—200 million dollars, 26.6% IRR, etc.—that's only on the flank zone. So the flank zone is our initial mining area. Uh, It comes close to surface; we can ramp right into it, but it's only 18 to 20% of this deposit. So the whole idea with this drilling is to do a little bit more extension around the flank zone. We know it extends on strike and and close to surface, so we could extend the life of that area. But more importantly, the rest of the 80% of our 250 million pounds here at this deposit, we'd like to move all the inferred to measured and indicated. We've got a lot of indicated and inferred now. Uh, You can see that in our uh, mineral resource estimate but with some infill holes i'm talking about moving from a 50 meter centers to 25 meter centers you can move that to m and i and then you can wrap numbers around that as you move from the flank zone into phase 2 of mining the rest of the deposit that's going to have a huge impact on our irrs and npvs because then you're incorporating the entire deposit in your economics uh this this is what people need to understand this these economics that they see now they're outstanding, uh you know, mining at over a half a percent uranium, but as I say, that's only a tiny portion of deposits. So we need to get the market to understand that we still have a lot behind that
0: you do, you do because i'm I'm looking at some of your Athabasca cousins, for instance. they're saying you know they're a billion bucks plus
1: that's right. Right,
0: and They are not near production, they're not near cash flows, revenues, and nope. they've got their own permitting you know, uh, process to go through. Um, so the valuations in North America seem to be you know, much more excessive compared to some of the African stories. And, you know, you're obviously the most advanced African story in terms of getting into, into cash flow or at least being controlled when you get into cash flow. How do you feel about that?
1: Well, you know, Athabasca has a, a certain halo around it uh, because it's in Canada. It's, it's uh, got uh, the big companies, Cameco and Arano, producing their denison. And, you know, it's a, it's a tremendous area with very high grade deposits. There's no knocking that. The problem is, it's in Canada. Um, the permitting regime here is, is awful. It's uh, it's very, very long. When I was at Denison, we had one project, Midwest, that took us 30 years to permit. I mean, who ever heard of permitting taking that long? I mean, we went through various environmental hearings and then First Nations hearings and more government hearings. It's ridiculous. In Niger, they want to mine Uranium. So that's why we're there. And they have elephant deposits. We found a big one. And you know, it took us from the time we submitted our application for permit. It took us three months to get our permit. Three months. So you know, that's that's how committed they are in Africa. Africa is the place to mine uranium, and particularly in the Sahara Desert, when there's nobody around, you don't have to move people. Uh, all the infrastructure is there because they've been mining there for 50 years. So we have power lines, we have water, we have roads, we have towns. Uh, Close enough to us that we can bring the labor force in, so it's just it's just an outstanding set of circumstances that make this an outstanding project.
0: It's yeah, it's it's, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I think people have been drawn parallels to what's going on in North America, what's going on in, in Africa. But I think so. You're you're saying people just need to understand that one, you are close to getting into production. I mean, like so. If everything moves forward as you plan, what, what are you forecasting in terms of you know production?
1: Well, our, our production uh, you know is still staying the same with uh, you know mining a thousand tons a day, doing about four and a half million pounds a year. But people also need to realize this is a completely scalable project. So the reason we picked a thousand tons a day and doing four and a half million pounds a year is that we felt as a new new entrant in the uranium supply chain that we could actually sell that amount of uranium. Now if the, the uranium price moves higher. And you have a booming uranium market. Uh, obviously, we can ramp this up to 1,500, 2,000 tons per day, and, and double our output. So I know that there's been some questions about that. I mean, uh, and people were concerned that we're pre-selling a lot of our uranium. Well, there's no need to worry about that, because uh, you know uranium price now, the forward price by 2025 is in the 40 to 50 dollar range. Uh, using all the metrics out there at the moment, so you know we've done our numbers at a base case thirty five dollars we've run the sensitivities down to twenty five dollars you know with these kind of grades and these kind of low operating costs like we're at sixteen dollars a pound to produce a pound of uranium so you know we we have excellent metrics here, and uh as the price moves up, which I expect it will because uh you Nuclear utilities need to secure supply, and there's more reactors being built. Um, right now, I heard a stat last week that we're producing about 120 million pounds a year from all the mines. We're currently burning between 180 and 200 million pounds a year. So that huge delta has been, you know, the, the the material that's been sitting on the sidelines is being chewed up, but once that's gone, w- where are people going to get their fuel from?
0: Well, I think the, so, the, the big issue this year has been the fact that, that that supply number is definitely nowhere near that, obviously with the Kazakhs and Kamake coming off um, for sure. Okay, so um, that's good. Uranium, good. There's another aspect to this. Zinc. And in fact, yes, if, if I look at uh, I think it's uh, I can't remember which analyst did it, but they're saying the zinc is worth potentially 200 million of the 300 uh, of the 500 million uh, market cap um, today. It, you know, their, their analysis, not ours. Um, would you say that's true.
1: Yeah, this was coming out of CoreMark Securities Cormark. Yeah, in okay. in Canada, and um, of course they've done an analysis of what we have. They say that we're getting valued right now about. Oh, maybe $1.50 a pound in the ground when you compare that with uh, Denison at 5 or $6 a pound in the ground. I mean, there's a huge delta here between global and the rest of the, the uranium players uh, that we need to fill. But on the zinc side, of course, we built that new plant in 2019. It's running uh, at full capacity at this point in time. And we had an excellent quarter, and so the analyst there is looking at Befeza, our partner, and seeing that they're trading at 13 times EBITDA. And so he said, if you apply the same numbers to uh, to global, our, our value of our zinc assets 200 million. So you know, we, we definitely know it's in the 150 range, 200, maybe a bit on the high side. but you know what the heck? Uh, zinc price right now has been doing very well, a 30 plus. Uh, we'll have that project paid out this year. And then that cash flow starts coming back to us to, to, to employ uh, at the DASA project. Yeah, I mean,
0: th- I think the, the, the annuity stream of the cash for the next 40, 50 years is people are excited about, you know, um, and, and that's great. With the reason I asked that question is I was going to work out what you valued the uranium at or what Cormac were valuing the uranium at, because 300 seems a bit low to me.
1: Yeah, I would I would say that take a you know two hundred and fifty million pounds, you know, at just over a dollar a pound in the ground.
0: Doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem right when you compare it to your peers. Um, I guess that's you know for you to tell the story of you know what you think it is worth and start showing them how the next steps. Because I think the other thing you you talk about when we started talking, you you were twenty five cents, right? You've done a succession of things that you said you would do. You've accelerated some of it and you've kind of moved this thing um quickly through the process. What's left to do? What 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 should we be looking for? Cause I mean, first of all, how's how's cash today? Cash okay? Uh
1: well at the end of the quarter we were about fourteen million cash on the books.
0: So you're good. You're good for cash for a while.
1: Oh yeah, we're good for cash. Good for cash. Well, right now, I mean, the big focus is to get the feasibility work done. So we're, you know, we've optimized the uh, the process plant now. We're doing our uh, underground mine planning right now. Uh, we've designed now the the box cut for the portal, so we know what what that's going to be dimensionally and and where it's going. I mean, all of these fine details are being completed so that. Uh, we can give that to our local guys and say, listen, start uh, start building this project.
0: Okay, okay, I, one thing I want to talk about because we mentioned you know the, the common arc crew coming through, which is great, but you've also been doing some hirings at board level. Now this is something that we've talked about in the past, the importance of bringing people on who are able to move the company forward, not just uh, placeholders, but people can actually be useful to the company, right? You guys, have, we don't
1: we don't like placeholders. Matt. A lot of companies do, though, right? So uh, tell us tell well, us about the,
0: this board hiring.
1: So uh, Dean Chambers came on board. Uh, we announced him. Uh, fabulous guy. Uh, he's uh, he's got a lot of experience. He's actually an engineer, but he's been involved as a CFO of a couple of big companies, including it and uh, oh, I, I can't recall. There's two or three others that he was on and um, at any rate, he's, uh, he's gonna be chair of our audit committee and he's going to also be involved in our whole project financing uh, initiative. So of course, at this point in time, we haven't talked too much about project financing. Uh, we notice you know, other junior companies that are far less advanced than us are raising big dollars with equity issues uh, depending on how things shake out with uh, Arano and whether they want us to ship them some ore, that could be a, an early cash flow for us so we could actually start the project with very little money. And uh, with the cash coming from Turkey and with the cash coming from uh, ore sales, uh, that, that will help us finance the plant. So, clearly the end game is to have the plant up and running by 2024. And uh, we are talking to utilities right now about uh, buying uranium starting 2025.
0: You're already in discussion about that. That that so that's interesting because is we were always trying to work out are, uh, are 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 they chasing companies like you or are you chasing them? What's the how has the dynamic changed?
1: Well, you know what? I think, uh, generally speaking, from all the utilities we've spoken to, they're still sort of sitting on the fence. Uh, They they haven't made the big decision to start moving into the market. I think that's why you see the uranium price sort of sitting here around thirty dollars. But they're definitely interested and they're thinking about it. Uh, But you know what? Sometimes it takes a little bit of a a, a bit of pressure to get them to move. Um, I think as we move along here, and uh, you know the, the spot dries up, you've got Sprott Securities now starting a uranium fund. They're going to be soaking up spot. There's two or three others out there doing the same thing. I mean, people are people know that there's going to be a big move in price. And the other thing I'd like to, to say today is that. In all my years in the uranium business, I've never seen the uh, the structure that's starting to happen out there with you know environmentalists now buying into nuclear and various other people buying into nuclear, of course the net carbon zero and all of these kinds of things. So I think we're into a renaissance of nuclear here that's going to last much much longer than previous cycles in uranium so, You know, to have an asset that can run for fifty years, I think uh, we're gonna make a lot of money for our shareholders.
0: That's quite a nice point to end, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Thanks, Matt.
0: Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCas or our website, Cruxinvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.